If you would take your Bible this morning, turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. Or if you got the church app, you can just uh, press the blue lettering there and it'll pop open for you. Luke chapter 2 and verses 15 through 20. I've been preaching uh, during the month of December on the gift, and this morning I want to preach on the subject, the gift of our testimony. And I want to look at the shepherds this morning, how they seize the opportunity to share their testimony, and then I want to give you an opportunity this morning to hear a powerful testimony from Chad Pickle. It's good to have Chad with us. He's got his fan club over here, and I think that everybody that faithfully shares their testimony should have a fan club that's behind you saying, we praise God for what God has done in their life. And Chad's got some of his family back there, his parents and uh, his sister and brother, son, I've son and daughter back there, right? Son and daughter. And uh, good to have all of them back there. And uh, I understand he's got his favorite daughter-in-law back there too. Yeah, she's waving her hand. So good to have all of Chad's family with us today. The, uh, you know, God has given each one of us a special gift, and that is the gift of our testimony. Nobody has a testimony like your testimony. Everybody's testimony is unique and personal to you as an individual. And uh, God has given us that as a special gift to be able to share with others what Christ has done in our life. And when you think of the word testimony, if you were to look up in the dictionary, I want you to listen. Here's what the dictionary says that a testimony is. It is a statement of proof or evidence that something exists or is true. That's what your testimony is. It is a statement of proof or evidence that something exists or is true. And so not only are you sharing about what you've experienced in your life when you share your personal testimony and the gift of salvation that's come into your life, but you're also making a statement about the fact that God does exist and that his word is true. And so your personal testimony is one of the most powerful things that you can share with others. So as we look this morning, I want to look just briefly at how the shepherds as they are an example to us about sharing about our personal testimonies and what we've experienced. And then I want to give you the opportunity to hear Chad Pickle and hear about where he's been, where God has brought him from, and what God is doing in his life right now. But let's look at this in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. And I'm going to read this out of the uh, New King James translation. And this is right after the shepherds have encountered the angels there on the hillside. It says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph with the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told to them. Now these shepherds are a prime example, I think, from a Christmas story perspective about sharing our personal testimonies. And I just want to share three things as a challenge that each one of us should be doing. And that is that what we see from the shepherds. One is that we should be seizing the opportunities to tell others about our personal testimony. Every person should seize the opportunity. You'll notice in these scriptures that it tells us that as soon as the angels disappeared, then the shepherds hit the road. They wanted to go see what they had heard from the angels. And when they showed up, 
with the other folks around, the Bible tells us that they began to tell what they had seen and what they had heard and what they experienced. What they were doing was they were seizing the opportunity. As soon as they got around some other folks, they seized the opportunity to tell about what they had experienced and what God had done in their personal life. And you know, every one of us that has accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior has a personal testimony of what the Lord has done in our life. And everybody comes from a different background. There are some people that have come up and maybe you've been a good person. You've not done bad things to other people. You've tried to do what you've been told to do. You are just a good person and you've tried to live a good life and be a good person. But the Bible tells us that that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible lets us know that all it takes is one sin to separate us from the Lord. And so if we've all sinned, even if it's a small scale or a large scale, we've all messed up and we all need Christ as our personal savior. And so some people come from that background that uh, their personal testimony was, you know, I was a good person. I tried to do what was right, but I wasn't perfect. Because the Bible tells us there was only one perfect and it was Jesus Christ. I wasn't perfect, and because I wasn't perfect, sin was keeping me out of heaven, and I needed the gift of salvation. And so everybody needs to seize the opportunity, grab hold of the opportunities when it comes, and that's what the shepherds did. When they showed up around the other people, they seized that opportunity. And I think we need to go beyond just seizing the opportunity to share a testimony. We need to seek opportunities to share a testimony. Look for the opportunity that God may put in your life. It might be somebody that's a clerk at a store and just makes a statement. You go, Merry Christmas, hope you're having a good day. Well, it's going pretty bad. That's opportunity to be able to find out what's going on in their life and tell about their, their, what God has done in your life. So I look up there at Marty, I remember Marty uh, at one time when he was early on sharing his testimony with folks, trying to win people to Christ, and he'd call me every once in a while and tell me about it. I got an opportunity and then. One day he called me and said, nobody is getting saved. He was so discouraged. He said, nobody's getting saved. What am I supposed to do? Just keep sharing it. And then there was silence. I don't know if Marty remembers it. There was just silence on the phone. I just said, keep sharing it. And I'm sure in his mind he was thinking, I've been sharing it. Nothing's happening. And then the next thing I know, he's calling in another week or two and saying, hey, I will witness. I think the first guy was the guy that you uh, shared the testimony at. Was it at a backhoe at the back of the building? Yeah, he's shaking his head. I'm remembering right. He said, I went outside and shared it with this guy at the backhoe outside of the business, and he accepted Christ as personal Savior. Man, he was like, whoopee. And the next thing I know, Marty's gone from a person who's saying, I'm sharing my testimony, but nobody's getting saved. And I'm saying, just keep sharing to where he's saying, I should let a guy by the back hoe. And then one of the ones I think is the most amazing testimonies of uh, Marty winning somebody to Christ. And I'm kind of picking on Marty because he's been our minister evangelist for several years. And now he's our missionary evangelist from the church. But he told me one day about how that he was at Burger King, I think it was. And he was ordering food and he led the clerk with people standing behind him waiting to order their food. He led the clerk to accept Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the way you should do it. Seek the opportunities. Seize the opportunities when they come. And that's the way the shepherds did. They seized the opportunity that they had. The next thing I think about our testimonies is that we need to share our testimonies to where they spread widely. If you'll notice in this verse 17 that says that, uh, let me just go back and read that real quickly. That the shepherds, says, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning this child, which means they were spreading the word about their personal testimony and what they had experienced and what they had heard and now what they had seen. 
And they were spreading the word. And I believe that God wants us to do the same thing. Just like I said that it's like the flu is just spreading in our church. And it's been to a lot of different people. The same way our testimony should be too. It spreads. It's contagious. It's touching a lot of people's lives. We should make sure that our testimony is spreading widely and touching other folks, whether it's an opportunity in Burger King or out back of a business or whether it's in a sanctuary sharing with people about what Christ has done in their personal life. We need to be spreading our testimony where it becomes contagious. And it's not a, just a testimony. The great thing about our testimonies is it's not about just a one-time experience. But once you accept Christ as your personal Savior, God is continually doing things in our life. And so our testimony should be one that is continually building and spreading and telling others about what Christ has done. And then the last thing I see about these shepherds was they celebrated the opportunity they had to share their testimony. The Bible tells us in verse 20 that they left glorifying and praising God for what they had heard, seen, and told. They were celebrating. When I shared about, first time I shared Christ with somebody, they were on their deathbed and God had convicted me I needed to uh, see if they were a Christian. And when I went to see them, I was sweating bullets as the old saying says. I mean, I was scared to death. I'm thinking, why am I so scared? I mean, they're about to die. What are they gonna do, jump up and slap me around or something, you know? Why am I so scared? And so I finally shared Christ with them just to find out that yes, they had already been saved and they knew that they were going to heaven. And I wondered right after that, I said, Lord, why did I have to go through all that turmoil of sweating bullets and scared to death? And the Lord said, I just wanted you to get started. <laughs> just wanted you to get started. And I celebrated the fact that I broke the ice and began to share Christ with others. And that has been an ongoing part of my life now to seize the opportunity, share it widely, and then celebrate what God has done in my own personal life. And this morning, I want you to hear a personal testimony from Chad Pickle. Chad, come on up. Won't y'all welcome him this morning? Chad's going to tell you his testimony of what God has done in his life. Good morning. It's an honor to be here in this wonderful home, this wonderful house of the Lord. I just want to give uh, Pastor Brett Yeager, uh, if we could, let's just honor him for a second with a hand clap of just... Uh, <clears throat> I met Pastor Yeager back in the summer... Um, through a program that he is uh, helping to orchestrate, and God has just called him for such a time as this to lead, called Saturate in One Cry. Um, he and Michael both are such an integral part of that, and it's amazing what's happening across northwest Georgia as a result of his heart and his leadership. And I just want to honor you, sir, and say thank you. It's, it's an honor to be here, and thank you for asking me to be here. <clears throat> now I'd like to go to a word of prayer. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm battling a little bit of throat congestion and head congestion, so bear with me. I may have to put a hauls in. From time to time, I may have to get a drink of water. This is, this is not something that I do regularly. Uh, on one hand, when I say that, I don't come into a big church and, and give my testimony, but I do regularly, daily, sometimes multiple times a day, give my testimony throughout my day, throughout the life, whether it be at Walmart, uh, pumping gas, or at work, wherever I'm at, I look for that opportunity and I'm thankful. And I think when I share my story, you guys will understand that. And I hope it inspires some of you to, uh, and encourages some of you and gives some of you hope to do the same thing. But first, let's, let's pray. 
Father, I just thank you. I thank you that this testimony is, of mine is really a testimony of your goodness. Your word is true. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit lead and guide what I'll say and that it will heal, deliver, and set free those that need it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they overcame him, him being the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The most important part of that is the blood of the Lamb. So I want to talk just a quick second about that in case somebody, I'm sure all of you know all about the blood of the Lamb, but I just, I gotta, I gotta get first things first. The blood of the Lamb. He did what couldn't be done by the blood of bulls and goats. He paid a debt that couldn't be paid any other way. Father emptied heaven, gave us his son the first Christmas gift in King Jesus, and he laid down his life for us. And he paid a penalty, he paid the price with his own blood. And as he, as he hung on the cross, he said, Tetelestai, which means it is finished. <clears throat> that word is an accounting word. And it means the debt has been paid. Nothing is owed. It's a full and complete payment. Amen? Now, if you know the Lord, you know that's true. That's something to shout about. That's something to be excited about. So I'm thankful for that. I'm going to begin um, with my testimony. I just want to say real quick that uh, I'm so thankful that my family is here and my friends who are also my family, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I just want to say thank you for being here. Um, if you see me get a little emotional at times, I've not given my testimony in front of my... I've got, four son, I've got two sons and two daughters, but two of, two of my four are here. My oldest son, my youngest daughter. And so, um, just, yeah, forgive me if, uh, if, I, if I choke up a little bit at times. Um, uh, but I'm just so thankful and so grateful to be here. I'm not used to standing up tall like this. I, I might walk down and talk to you guys if that's okay. But I want to start in October 2005. And let me give you a little, a little pre-story. Um, in 1996, I left Dalton and I moved to West Monroe, Louisiana. Um, a few months prior to that, I had met a beautiful woman in church out in West Monroe. I was out there visiting, and we had decided to get married. And so March 2nd, 1996, we got married in West Monroe, Louisiana, and started our family. We were a member of a church out there. And I got in the car business, and things, was go things were going wonderful for us. Uh, we just kept uh, just being faithful in church. Um, the family was growing. Finances were growing. I remember we started in a real small house. We went to a bigger house, and it just seemed like everything was perfect. 2000, I, I had the opportunity to go out on my own and start a car dealership. It was a used car lot, but it was super blessed. And in just a short period of time, um, I had found favor and was able to have four car lots and it just seemed like everything we got our hands into was was blessed um, all, all the while giving uh, attending regularly at the church children going to the uh, uh, involved in the children's ministries as well as this, the church we went to there had a school they were all involved in that school and in October of 2005 I come home from 
the car lot. At this time, I had four car lots. I pull up in the driveway. It's in October. And I start to get out of the car. And I hear the Lord say, there's more for us to do. And I said, Lord, I can't. I, I can't describe what, what came over me at that point, but it was, it was a fear I'd never experienced in my life. I was quite comfortable. And for an hour and a half, I sat in the car that evening in the driveway. My wife, I kept seeing her looking out the door. She must have thought I was on the cell phone. I sat there, and he and I just conversed. And I continued to tell him why I couldn't do it. And, and the more I said I couldn't do it, the more fear reinforced that in me. I remember getting out of the car that night. I went inside, and, I, and, and to this day, I can feel it still, such a pain um, uh, that I felt, um, almost like many, many people that I cared for had. I, it's the only way I can really describe it, but I felt such a pain uh, of, of, of loss and of hurt that I, re I really can't describe. But it, it's almost like you, what might be if you lost several family members or something at one time. It just was a terrible pain. I laid in the floor that whole night, multiple hours, in a prenatal position, just sobbing uncontrollably. My wife kept saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? I couldn't even speak. The next morning, I got up, I went out, and I purposely sought shadowy things. I purposely said, I'm getting this monkey off my back. One of the things I'd said to the father in the car was, why can't I just continue to sit halfway back at church, continue to give, continue to uh, say, I, I was very fluent in Christianese. Bless you, brother. How are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. Very fluent in that. I'd learned that language. And listen, let me just go back. I'm, I'm sorry about this. It's getting off to a little rough start here, but I was taught I was raised in church, wonderful father and mother, uh, great examples. I was taught the word. I knew the word. But what I didn't know how to do was deal with that fear that night that, that came up in me. And I'm, I'm thinking that today we're going to deal with some of that fear maybe that some of you can relate to what I'm talking about. But the next day rolled around, I went out. I called a guy that uh, had been trying to sell me cars for many years. Uh, and, I, and I wouldn't buy cars from him. I had a plan, and it, the plan worked. I bought my own vehicles. I traveled and, and did that. And I just knew that really what he was doing was what he wanted to do was probably not what was in our best interest. But that particular day, I called him, and I said, come on over. I'm going to buy some cars from you. He came over. I bought 18 cars from him, and I bought an ounce of cocaine from him. Never done cocaine at that time uh, like that. So I... Um, there, just the slippery slope started right off the rip. I mean, I just, I had to get this feeling off of me. I had to, I had to get this heavy hand that was on me or that I felt was on me off. Now, I'm going to be honest. At that point in time, the way I was raised, I thought I had just ended any hopes I've ever had of making it, right? I mean, I, I, I did. I, I knew it was over at that point in time. I had rejected the Lord. And so for the next few years, I continued down that, down that slope. If it was dark, if it was dirty, if it was wrong, I gravitated to it. I'm not proud of that. I'm just telling you the truth, though. It cost me and my family everything. Uh, I was abusive during that time to my wife and my children. Um, 
I was unfaithful in my marriage. Again, if, if, it, was, if it was wrong, I ran to it. Fast forward, we lost everything in Louisiana. We ended up moving to Dalton. Back home, I had a, my family's from Dalton. My children wanted to be and needed to be near their grandparents where they had some stability, and as well as my, my wife at the time. And so we moved back to Dalton. I remember when I came back to Dalton, I was introduced fairly quickly to methamphetamines. And I remember in 2008, three years later, driving down Reed Road, there was some dope in the passenger seat. At this point in time, I'd gone from using dope to selling dope. And the same voice said to me this, son, I love you. And I said, how is that possible? I nearly wrecked. And he said, you're closer to me now than you've ever been. That, <clears throat> to this day, that's hard for me to grasp. But I said, how is that possible? How could you love me? Three years ago in my driveway, you asked me to do something with you and for you. And I said no. And ever since then, I have gone as far from you as possible. How could you still love me? And definitely, how could I be closer to you than, I was, than I've ever been? And he said, because you're no longer deceived. See, previous to that, previous to that 2005 driveway encounter... Everything that led up to that, because of, because of my good training, my mind was, had convinced, I was convinced that I had somehow earned my status. I had somehow earned, I was doing everything that was required of me to go to the table and sit at the king's table. I, and, and guess what? My life showed it. I was blessed. And I'm not saying by any stretch, in any way, shape, or form, that that wasn't the providence in the hand of God because it absolutely was. I was faithful with my tithe. I was blessed financially. But the issue was it wasn't any, it was nothing that I had done. It was everything that he had done. It's, it's the fact that his word is true. And, but in my mind, I had gotten to the point where I felt like I, I had achieved or I had earned that. And, and I can't, his, again, when we talked about the blood on the cross, he finished the work. There is nothing I can do to that finished work except receive it. Amen? So <clears throat> you would think that the second, two, three years later, 2008, that, well, I had a Damascus Road moment. He still loves me. That would have had some sort of change in my life. But again, I stiff-armed the Holy Spirit. I stiff-armed the Lord. I stiff-armed that voice. I stiff-armed what was in me. But here's the thing. Many people have said, and I've heard this preached, and I even have thought this before. Well, that couldn't have been God, but it was God. He said, my sheep know my voice. And later on, he would reveal to me that some things, which I'll get to in a second. So from 2008 to 2017, the next nine years, I continued to pursue that life, that life of death, that life of darkness, uh, I had gotten to a point where I had to have methamphetamines in my body. Um, there were several, several years that rolled through there that literally, I, I remember one particular 12-month span, I, I counted, and it seemed like about every 14 days I would sleep for a 24-hour cycle. Uh, I had lost about 150 pounds. 
and I was literally on the brink of death, spiritually and physically. In 2017, March the 3rd, I'm sorry, May the 3rd, uh, I was arrested. I was arrested. Um, I had been arrested before, but this time I, was, I, had, I had really done it. I was arrested uh, for, on conspiracy charges with about 25 other people um, for, for uh, conspiracy to commit RICO, which is a big, a big charge. And, um, but prior to that, about six months prior to that, I had met someone named Jason Blaylock in my addiction. Jason's here with me today. He's my brother. So the next part of this story is where it gets really good because all of that really is just what, what uh, fear will take you. That's the road fear will take you down. Needless to say, my wife left me. I had destroyed my children. I had put them through and my father and mother through an undue burden. I had really caused a lot of chaos, chaos and destruction by my choices. And um, I'm not proud of any of that. Not proud of any of that. But I remember waking up um, when they first arrested me May 3rd. They put me in a, like a, a confined area away from anyone. I couldn't use the phone. I couldn't because they, were, they still had such a large group of people to round up. And so until they rounded everybody up, I didn't get to go in general population. But on the 14th, I'm sorry, 14 days later, on May the 17th, they put me in an e-block and I remember walking in there in the middle of the morning, early, early that morning, and uh, it was before everybody woke up, went into my bed, made my bed, got in it, little old mat. And then I remember at breakfast time, I saw Jason come out. And it was good to see a familiar face. And it had, actually, there was two or three faces in there. And so he, he came up to me, he said, Brother, he said, we have a prayer group in E7 at night. Won't you come join that, come up there with us? So I ended up moving my mat up there to E7. There's eight, if you've never been in Whitfield County Jail, there's eight cell blocks in a dorm. And so each cell block hosts four, so 32 men to a dorm. I, at that time, it probably still is, but at that time, Whitfield County Jail was very overcrowded. So I think there were 31 men in our dorm at that time. So I moved up there to E7 with Jason and them, and that particular night we had prayer, or they had the prayer group. I really, <clears throat> I really um, wasn't, uh, I was involved, but I wasn't, you know, I was just kind of going through the motions. But after that prayer group that night, and they locked us down at midnight, uh, we began, some of the guys, they began to read scriptures out of the Bible. And I just felt compelled to stand up and give a little bit of the testimony, basically what I've just told you, I told the guys. And the Holy Spirit said, we can, we can fix this tonight. So I had done a lot of things. And I said, I, I don't know if I can remember it all. He said, the one thing was, let's, he said, there's only one thing we got to fix. Let's go back to 2005 and let's say yes. And so that night I said, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for rejecting you. Forgive me for allowing fear to overtake my life. The word says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I chose fear over faith. And, I, and it was impossible to please him. But what I learned through that process is, is that even though I was not faithful, there was no part of me faithful to him. But guess what? He was faithful. He's faithful to his word. Amen? 
And, I, and, and his word says that, that if, once you're in his hand, nothing can pull you out of his hand. Nothing can separate you from his love. And I had been in his hand. Even I couldn't separate me from his love. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what he showed me. Praise God. So that night we prayed. I asked the Lord to forgive me. And I said, Father, never again. And this is why I'm standing here today. Never again, given the opportunity to do something, will I say no. I still had no idea what I was facing. I knew it was bad. So the next morning, Jason and I, and listen, guys, I, I can, I, I, he can attest to this, but that night in E7, it had to be about, it was about an hour, hour and a half after they locked us down. So it was around 1.30 in the morning. The Holy Spirit came in E7, and the weight of the world. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if any of you have done anything like what I just described that I did, and I hope you haven't. But there's such a burden that goes with that. And that night, that burden lifted. And I was finally free. I had been saved, but that night I became a free man. Amen? And the Word says that who the sun sets free is free indeed. The next morning, we go downstairs, Jason and I, we eat breakfast. We get out our Bibles, and we begin to read and study and read and study and write. And if you've ever been incarcerated in Whitfield County, they give you these little golf pencils. And so they're only about four inches long to begin with, and they got very little sharp on them. So we would go, I mean, we were going through 15, 20 pencils a day. And so, and they only come by with their pencil sharpeners once a week. So every Tuesday, we would get every pencil in the dorm, and we'd be up there just cranking those pencils. We were writing that word, writing that word, studying that word, writing that word, just really sharpening each other, not thinking that we were having that much of an impact because we really were just hungry for the Lord. And, 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 and I can tell you about my brother. One day he'll have the opportunity to stand up here and tell you. But at that point in time, he had been arrested 38 times. See, what we had come to realize that night is that our way doesn't work. But there is a way that does work. Amen? It's Yahweh. It's his way. That's the Hebrew name for God, in case you didn't know. That's my little pun there. I stick in there, but I love that. But so his way works. And so that particular night, we, then the next morning, and from every day since then, we have been on his way, his path. The word in Romans 12 talks about what our reasonable service is and then about renewing of the mind. Well, how do we renew the mind? We renew the mind by replacing the junk that's in the mind, the fear and the doubt and the confusion and the anxiety. We replace it with his word. Well, I can't replace it with his word if I don't get in his word and his word doesn't get in me. But his words re is, is alive. It's breathing. He is the word, actually. Jesus is the word. John talks about that. He is the word, the word before the foundation of earth. He's with God. His word holds all things together. His, his word created all things. So we got his word in us, and then it began to transform us and change us. We begin to renew our mind. Over the course of time, uh, for the next 11 months, I sat there in E-Block. And over the course of time, our little prayer group would grow. It grew from four or five guys to the day, the last night I was there, 11 months, 31 men stood in the day room holding hands praying. It, it had such an effect that the guards even, would, they would buzz me at night, what's going on in there? And I said, Jesus is what's going on in here. Praise God. We might be locked up, but we're free. There's 31 free men in here. Praise God, yes. 
I, I wish my sister was, I, I, we had a sister that was kind of like a prayer warrior for, for us. So in, when you're locked up in there, you can send emails. So there was a girl named Patricia Eisenhower, a good friend of mine, that we would email and she would email us. Well, it got to the point where people were sending us, in, sending me emails for the group to pray about at night. And then we would call home and we would find out that what we had agreed on got answered. Amen. There was one particular guy. I've I just got to share this because this is the goodness. This is the testimony of Jesus. And the word, Revelation 19, 11 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so when I give the testimony of the goodness of Jesus, then that's for you. You can grab hold of that, okay? So this one particular man comes in, and he asks us to pray for his sisters, for his, for his wife's sister's husband who's on hospice. And so we do. And, and I'll be honest, the first prayer we prayed was what he asked us to pray, and that was that um, God would just allow it to be a smooth transition, take him home gently. And about two days later, I asked, how's he doing? Well, he's still hanging on. And the Holy Spirit said, well, what if I want to heal him? I said, all right. So that night I said, man, what if God wants to heal that man? Can we agree that? Can we agree that by his stripes we're healed? Yeah, we can agree. And so we did. The, the family, the son and daughter were already, had, who, who were grown and they lived out of, the, out of Georgia. I think one was from Louisiana and one was from North Dakota. They had already came back, getting ready to split up dead stuff, have the funeral. They had already been to Love's and picked out the casket. I mean, this was, this was over with. There, it was ours. Seven days later, hospice came in and said, we're going to have to go because he's, he's clearly not dying. He's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> The, two days after that, for the first <laughs> two days after that, he was out mowing his yard. He hadn't been out of the bed in six months. Praise God. He's cancer-free. The kids went back to their places a little bit perturbed, I think. I think they actually thought, yeah. And now, <laughs> Jason's a witness to this, guys. This was amazing. We serve a living God, amen, that loves us. He's the healer, amen, amen. So I just, I'm just so thankful. So, so what happened? 11 months later, they allow me to come out. And then during the process of time, I went to it. Part of my sentencing was to go to Carter Hope. I went to Carter Hope for a year. And the Lord just allowed me to give my testimony and just represent him. Be a light. Wherever you're at, be a light is what I want to encourage you to do. Amen? If, if, you've, been, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're saved. And nothing can change that. But I just want to tell you, that's the doorway, guys. That's the doorway. He didn't come down here and pay that price just so that when we die, we can be with him. Yes, he did do that. But he said, the thief comes, John 10, 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Abundant life. Abundant life. So if you've been redeemed by the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth, praise God, awesome. But what I, what I feel like today that I'm really supposed to, to encourage you to do is to take that light that's inside of you, that wonderful gift that Christ has died to give us. But he, the best part of that is he's not dead. He rose again three days later after he went into hell. Robbed the death in the grave, amen. Hell in the grave made a public mockery of the enemy. And it says he's seated right now. 
at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. Praise God. He's in a, seated, a position of seated. And, and actually, his word says that we too are seated with him in heavenly realms and heavenly places. Amen. See, I, that revelation I did not have. I did not have. But I have it today. And it's made all the, all the difference in the world. Because believing right leads to thinking right, which leads to living right. I thought living right would lead to thinking right, which would lead to believing right. I had it backwards. It doesn't work. When you have it backwards, it doesn't work. When you have it backwards, fear can come in like it did with me and nearly rob me of everything. I'm happy to say that relationships with my wife, my, ch- my children are wonderful. I'm still believing God for the resurrection and the restoration of my marriage. Praise God. But in spite of the fact that it's not a finished work, that part's not finished. My marriage, my marriage has not been restored yet. I'm still seeking him. I'm still trusting him. I'm still, I get up every morning, Jason and I, and everybody in this little crew over here, as, as well as your pastor and Michael, we get up every morning, and the gentleman, is the gentleman that you were speaking of, is he the hoster guy? Yeah, what's his name, Marty? Marty, yeah, so I'd heard about Marty from Jason and that testimony. See, I, it just spreads, guys. Get all, we, we weren't created just to come in here and have a two- or three-day relationship with the Lord and sitting on her hands and if I'm stepping on your toes I'm sorry but I don't have to stay here so it's okay (laughs) all right there's more to just coming in on Wednesdays and Sundays that's wonderful good job pat yourself on the back great praise God but every single day we wake up I don't care how old you are or how young you are we have opportunity to share the goodness the word talks about, Jesus talks about, if you had a light, why would, you put a, why would you put a lid on it? If you know Jesus, the light of the world is in you. Shine. You've been called to shine for such a time as this. This is the greatest time of all planet Earth to be alive. Praise God. This, this I believe, this, this is the group of saints that are going to usher in this, the return of Jesus. He's, he's, does, let that sink in. As great as Moses and all the Old Testament guys and even Paul and all the, all the New Testament church, he chose us for this time, for such a time as this. What does that say? He believes in you. He's picked you for this time. So every morning we wake up and we just go and we just say, Lord, we thank you for this day, number one. We thank you for the finished work. We thank you for the transformation that you've created in our lives and I and then we just add this to it Lord we thank you that today there are divine appointments for us what's a divine appointment a divine appointment is when you walk into a restaurant or a a grocery store or you're pumping gas not necessarily everybody you see but just if you if you're in tune if you just say Lord I thank you for a divine appointment guess what he'll just he'll bring someone across your path and not only will he bring them across your path, guess what? Just like me today, he'll give you the words to say. Right? And so it may be a hug. It may be, hey, what you're going through, you're not forgotten. I love you. Uh, I don't know what it is, but just be, if, here's what I do know, that if you will get up and you'll have that attitude, he'll use you. His word doesn't return void. And so when you speak that word, it's like you're speaking his word. 
because you're on assignment from the king. Amen? And so when you give that word, you're giving life words. My brother this morning was, was giving a word down at Greater Works, Jason, and he was talking about in, in, back in Deuteronomy, which says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life, choose blessing. And I've heard that my whole life, and that was part of my Christianese. I, I was well-versed in that. One of the things recently the Lord was, was, was dealing with me about, and you guys may already know this, but it was a revelation to me. He said, you know what choosing life and choosing blessing is? Thinking about life and blessing. His word is life and blessing. So if, if, if I believe that, then my thoughts will be about life and blessing. So when an enemy tries to come in and tell me something, he tries to tell me that, well, you're, you're depressed and nothing's going to change that. That anxiety you got, you, 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 you got that on your own and, 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 and you're not going to ever have peace. Or you're just not good enough. Those are lies. But if I've chose life and I've chose blessing, then when those lies come, I can reject those lies because the word of truth is inside of me. Amen. And I can say, enemy, you're a liar. My daddy says that I'm the apple of his eye. I call, I call father daddy. That's, that's where we are today. I, I'm his son in whom he is well pleased. And he's my daddy, and I get up in his lap every day, and I sit there. I'm going to share one little quick thing, and then I'll just give you a little bit about what's going on, where he's brought us at today. But I was doing some praying about six months ago, and I was down at the altar, and I was like, Lord, I just, there were, there were still some things, some old things in me that um, no one else probably would recognize as hindrances, but I knew that they were, and I just wanted to, I wanted, to, I wanted to come on into this sanctification thing, you know? Just re- remove, basically it was a prayer like, remove anything, Father, that keeps me from you, that keeps me from this hunger I have right now. I never want to lose this hunger. And he said, why don't you climb up in my lap? And I said, can I? He said, son, my ch- all my children can get in my lap. And I got up in his lap. And I don't know about you guys, but when you get to daddy's lap, even in this earthly body, if you could make it to daddy's lap, whatever was chasing you, it was over with. Whether it was a big brother, a bully, a dog, whatever it was. Amen. When you got in daddy's lap, you had protection. When you got in daddy's lap, you were safe. And I remember, I remember, and all this is happening in a moment, I remember saying, it, just in my mind, I sat up in his lap and I just felt a peace like I never felt. I felt protection like I never felt. And this thought went through my mind. Man, I don't want to leave. And, the, and, and he gave me back this through his spirit. He said, why would you? Why would you? And that was the answer to the prayer. If you get in my lap, son, and you stay there, if you get in my lap, daughter or son, and you stay there, then you don't have to worry about anything else. Just climb on up in daddy's lap and let my love guide you. Let my Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Today, as a result of the e-block ministry that the Holy Spirit birthed through repentance, a change of mind. See, here's the thing. I had repented a thousand times. Even throughout that 12, 13-year period, I'd said, Lord, forgive me. But nothing changed. 
and nothing's going to change if I don't, if I don't renew my mind with this word. If my thinking doesn't change, nothing's going to change. That's my, that's my signal right there. So one of the things Father birthed with Jason and I while we were sitting there going through those golf pencils, he said, this was in summer of 2017, he said every, because Jason and I both did a lot of, uh, over that period of time, we both sold a lot of dope and, and, and caused a lot of destruction in this area, northwest Georgia and other parts of, of this area. And the Lord just told us both while we were studying his word that he was going to give us an opportunity to go into those same areas and give hope, not dope. And hope's got a name, and his name is Jesus. Amen? And so, and so shortly after I got out of, and I was in Carter Hope, Jason gave me a call. He had, he had subsequently, during that time, got sent off to prison, and he was at an Oxford house in Atlanta, Georgia. He called me one day. And he said, man, I want to come home, but I'm scared. I said, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm cutting through a lot of stuff, but I said, the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear. I know all about this fear thing. Get your stuff ready. Get cleared with your parole officer. I'm coming to get you. We got work to do. On the way back, we were reminiscing a little bit about what God had done in E-Block. And, um, and, and we just, you know, the, 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 the conversation was basically this. We've got to help these guys that were like us learn a new way to live. And I said, well, let's just come into agreement with that. And that's asked the Lord to give us a house. We'll start a discipleship house. This was this last summer. About three days, we, we prayed that prayer. About three days later, I'm at Greater Works Ministry. If you guys haven't used that ministry and that resource, I want to encourage you to come down. You can volunteer your time, or, or you can just come and, be, and help love on people. There's a... There's always a group of people there that need to be loved on. That's a good place to train if you're not comfortable doing it in Walmart yet. Okay? <laughs> it's a safe place. So, anyway, and we're always there so we can help you. But, but anyway, about just shortly after we prayed that prayer, two or three days, I, got, I ran into someone at Greater Works that owned a building right behind Greater Works. And I got to talking to him and, and sharing what the Lord had done, just basically telling him my testimony. And he said, well, I got this building... Um, Let's work out a deal on it. Well, this past Monday night, after working out the deal, there's so many miracles in that, I can't begin to tell you. We don't have enough time. But after this past Monday night, we went before the city council, and we got the final thumbs up. So in about three weeks, we're going to be opening up a place called Hope. The old city of refuge, 201 Bryant Street. We're going to take 10 men, and this is the requirement. My way doesn't work. I want to find a way that does work. And we're going to start a discipleship house. The modern church, we've done a good job at, at leading people to saying a prayer. I don't know how good of a job we've done at discipling them after they said that prayer. I think there's been a lot of good men and women left at the altar. Um, and I know what, what Daddy has called us to do. And so every chance we get, whether it's in the pulpit or at Walmart or anywhere we go, we're going to share his goodness and his love. So we'll be seeing you somewhere, I'm sure. And, if, and just if, if you want to, join in with us. I mean, it's nothing for us to go to Walmart and just wreck about four aisles. All right? We're not doing it, but Daddy is. And you know what it is? I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And the snot and the tears and everything just start. I mean, people are dying to hear that Jesus loves them. And we're walking right by them every day. We might even be working beside them every day. 
I just want to encourage you. I hope that what I've shared today has helped somebody. And I just want you to know that there's, through repentance, there's freedom. There's freedom at these altars. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for your time and Merry Christmas. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment as they come get a song ready. And uh, today, uh, Chad's testimony can reach a lot of different folks from a lot of different perspectives of those who have been in church and uh, kind of going with the flow and uh, not really living it out fully in their life to uh, those who have been totally on their own track selling drugs. But uh, no matter where you are, God has a testimony for you to uh, have your life changed and transformed and get you to where uh, you're like Chad, that you want to share what God has done in your life. And so today, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior or you're unsure of your salvation, I want to lead you in a prayer. You can pray right where you're at, silently in your heart, just to give your heart and life to the Lord. And if that's your desire, you can just pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I feel your Holy Spirit speaking to me. And Lord, I know I've made some mistakes, haven't lived uh, like I should, but today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse my heart, and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, you made the most important decision in your life, and I want to lift you up in prayer and I want to rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you just slip up your hand just to acknowledge, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and invited Jesus in my heart. Yes, yes, yes. Are there others that you prayed that prayer to receive Christ? And we rejoice in that. And a matter of fact, in just a few moments, I'm going to, we're going to sing a song of invitation. I'm going to give you opportunity to, I'm going to ask Chad to come here and stand with me. And uh, Chad and I would just love to pray with you if you prayed to receive Christ this morning and nail down your salvation. We want you to leave here today knowing that you're different than when you came. But maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe you kind of fit in that category of, like Chad was saying, that he used to be in church and kind of just sat in the middle and did the middle things. <clears throat> but God had something different for him. Maybe you need to make a step of faith in your life. Maybe you just need to pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I'm thankful that I'm saved, but I haven't been serving you like I should fully. And today I ask for your forgiveness and I want to rededicate my life to you. If you pray that prayer with me, I want to rejoice with you as well. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I rededicated my life this morning to the Lord. I want him to use me fully. Yes, yes. Lord, I come, <clears throat> Lord, I come to you thanking you, God, for those who prayed to receive you as their Savior. And Lord, we know that uh, the Bible tells us all of heaven rejoices over one that's saved, and we know that we rejoice as well. And so, Lord, I celebrate those who prayed to receive you this morning. And Lord, we had the hand of men and women, both who said, I pray to receive Christ. And, and so in just a moment, we sing that song of invitation. Uh, Lord, we're going to invite those men and women to come forward and give us an opportunity to pray with them and encourage them and love on them. Other men and women are going to come and do that as well. But Lord, I also want to pray for those who uh, pray to rededicate their life to uh, begin to make some steps in a direction of serving you fully. So God, I just lift them up to you right now, God, that you would just do a mighty work in their life. And Lord, that they would leave here different than they, when they came. And we're going to thank you for all that you do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.